Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. He is in the house today. Here he is, Larry Rosenthal, live and in color. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? Well, it's always good to see you. You know, we've been doing this show for 100 years almost, haven't we? We've been 100 years, maybe 99, right? <laughs> a really long time, and I just tell you, it's, it's just really been a pleasure. I know you, you've enjoyed it. 17 years, actually. Is it 17? Oh, yep, my goodness. 17 years, yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is a while. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. That's Hector sure. was a pup back in those days, right? I mean, that's Yeah, a... there you go. <laughs> wow. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'd like to welcome our, our, our uh, new edition, our, our YouTube viewers. You can go to LarryRosenthal.tv. That's LarryRosenthal.tv, and check it out. As you, you can see us live streaming the show uh, on YouTube, as well as our longtime listeners on WAVA in the D.C. Baltimore area and Sirius XM, Channel 131, Coast to Coast, Border to Border, Family Talk, Sirius XM. So, um, sea <coughs> to Shining Sea. Right. There you go, Chris. There you go. Hey, this past week in the markets, we got a piece of data that really shored up a lot of questions regarding inflation. Remember, the la- you know, the last handful of months. We've been talking about inflation pressures, and, and the market's been trading on inflation. Get some bad numbers, the market's going down. Get some good numbers, the market's going up. And, and you know, inflation is one of the things that, that the market really does not like, and that is for sure. Because when we get too much inflation in too short of a period of time, the, uh, the Fed may have to change its narrative and, and step in and start to tamper down the economic expansion in, that's going on in the economy of the reopening you know so and we had initial job claims fell below 400,000 for the first time since you know early in the in the pandemic uh, days last year and which is is great news however friday um the the job creation report uh, we saw 559,000 jobs get increased in May, and the estimate was for 671,000. So, you know, in the last month, we were talking about a million, and, and, and it, it didn't come in nearly w- w- with that. So we're getting jobs growing, getting people rehired, <clears throat> but not at such a, a heavy pace that it's creating inflation worries and concerns. Uh, at least it's been pulled back 
this time around. So we'll see. The unemployment rate fell from 6.1 to 5.8%. So a lot of people are touting that as fantastic news. But wait a second here. Wait a second. The labor participation rate also dropped, meaning those that are eligible are saying, hey, we're not coming in. You know, the labor force is saying we're not coming back in. And that's creating some some issues. Uh, 20-some states have started to decouple from the federal res- uh, from the Federal government's unemployment uh, extra $300 a month program, which is due to end in September anyway. So we'll have to see how this plays out with, with the reopening of everything. Remember, you know, <clears throat> inflation is, is, is we want it to be Goldilocks. We don't want too little inflation. We don't want too much inflation. We want just the right amount. And when you take a look at, at what's happened here with the reopening of the economy, you know, we've had, had you know, just, just <clears throat> the economy's basically reopening all at once. And supply is not there. So so the first half, I did some study in here, the first half of 2021, through May anyway, the economy took a real gut punch, believe it or not. Now, yes, I know people are getting back to work. We're getting vaccinated. People are walking around without masks now. Things are being reopened. The markets are up again. But the economy took a big gut punch, and that was due to over-demand and lack of supply. You know, uh, with with all of this stuff, we had we had events that stressed out corporate supply chains uh, that impacted the economy, not only regionally and nationally, as well as globally in the first half of this year. We had gas prices, you know, with the hacking of 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 gas, uh, the pipeline on the on the eastern uh, 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 on the East Coast, North Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, Florida. They uh, had gas prices that had to spike uh, because of that, that uh, pipeline scenario. We also had trade disrupted. Uh, trade has been disrupted from overseas for many, many scenarios as a result of the supply chains uh, not functioning. Even today, they're still not functioning as well. That's creating inflation pressures. Raw materials, consumer goods that are being purchased and built overseas are, are, are uh, struggling to get to get the job done, and then to get it delivered. So we've got all that kind of stuff going on. We've got huge container ships floating around in the ocean waiting to unload oh, because there's not workers to unload them. That's and that's that's creating bottleneck in, in uh, inventory, in supply. And so we're getting demand. So that's another gut punch with all of this stuff. And then, you know, we also, what else happened this year? We had a Texas freeze when we got the power grid knocked out. That shut down numerous chemical plants, uh, froze production of plastics used for packing materials, all types of things. I have a friend of mine who owns a restaurant. He says that to get the little styrofoam to go things, it's a rarity now. The prices on those are going way, way up because of lack of supply with all of this. You know, so so you you take a look at it: auto parts, computers, PVC piping, paint materials, all that stuff got affected with the freeze out in in Texas. Then you take a lumber and housing. You know, lumber's really been up. I know lumber is way, way up. You know, take a you know what happened, Chris, in the pandemic when 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 COVID-19 hit, and we shut down everything. Lumber mills were closed and the expectation would be that housing demands would falter. And the exact opposite happened. People started remodeling. People started buying uh, in other places (laughs) and building because they can work remotely now. And and that's that's skyrocketed prices over 300 percent in in uh, building materials you know so so another gut punch what about 
chips and cars. Mm-hmm. Yes, the semiconductor industry, mm-hmm. all kinds of issues there where, where these chips go into cars, PCs, gaming systems, 5G equipment, just to name a few there. And, and you've got more and more of these issues here. You know, dealers right now, car dealerships, they're strained for inventory. They don't have enough inventory to meet the demand. That's causing sticker prices to go through the roof today, as well as used cars. Used car prices are way, way up. Right. You know, and it's all because demand is at the window and supply is lacking. Uh, labor concerns. You know, this is going to be an interesting. This is going to take a political debate here on labor right now. What's what's happening with 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 labor? Because people are getting paid to stay at home, and usually in the in the service sector industries or in your lower income jobs. But a lot of those are are dealing with the supply chain bottleneck, and that's what's causing all of this. This is all now, residual COVID stuff, isn't it? This is all really the the catalyst was COVID, and then all the rest of these like people switching jobs or not having to go back to work. That's what the original cause was, isn't it? It's all byproducts of it. Yes, yeah. that that's yeah. exactly correct. You know, you you burned off inventory for the last twelve months basically, and now you've got demand there, and people are going, hey. Where do I get this stuff, right? Remember when toilet paper and, and uh, cleaning products when, when COVID-19 first hit? Now, now you've got other things that are in the supply chain that would normally be functioning perfectly fine, you know. And, and so there's some hard lessons here. It's going to be interesting to see going forward the forward-looking CEOs of, of companies and how they possibly re- jiggle around or rechange their supply chains from a geographical uh, scenario around the globe in order to get the products that they need to build the products that that they're selling you know and and uh, you know but but all of this stuff here this is this is the reflation this is the reopening this is why this is happening and as we continue to get the supply chains fixed and goods come to market the anticipation is that this initial bout of inflation that we're feeling right now level is going to level out and become transitory. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Fed is saying, and that's what they're waiting on patiently. Okay, But it's still unclear. We are still in that unclear zone right now. And I've been talking about this and talking about this for months. We're going to get to the point somewhere around July, August this year, maybe even into September, when we're going to have a very clear direction on the impact that inflation is either having or is not having and not having. And that is going to dictate how this market goes. It's going to dictate Fed policy. It may even help to dictate the tax conversation that's happening up on Capitol Hill as far as when to raise taxes and how to raise taxes and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully people are paying attention to it there. So it's still unclear. We're still in that what I would call intersection of change when it comes to the inflation narrative and how it's affecting your dollars, your investments. So you take a look at at what we have now. We have an expanding economy with high growth and rising inflation pressures. What asset classes do you need to be in? Where should you be moving your money away from? And where should you be moving your money toward? Hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We're going to take a quick break here, open up our phone lines. Give us a call with any of your financial planning or investment questions. It's open mic Saturday. No subjects barred at all. Give us a call with anything on your mind. 855-ROSE-123. 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry. Rosenthal, we'll be back in a moment. 
You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert, right here in studio with us here today, Larry. Sure, Chris. Let's go ahead and welcome Sharon on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Sharon. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Um, I'm over 55 and don't have anywhere near the amount of money I should have in retirement and wondering what's something I can make a lot of, you know, like everyone's question, how do I make a lot of money without a lot of risk? <laughs> yes, that's the question, right? <laughs> that is the question. Well, let me tell you how we should... Percentages of stocks and bonds and, you know, diversity in that regard as well. Great question. So let me tell you how to build this out real quick, Sharon. So the first thing that you want to do is sort of draw a line in the sand and ask yourself the question, if I keep doing what I've been doing, where will I be down the road? And what I mean by that is we need to draw a line and take a look at your assets and your liabilities now, take a look at what it costs you to live today and what your income is today, and see if there's anywhere where we can shave a little bit off to, to either pay down debt and or to start saving. Uh, then the second part of this is then we we want to take a look at getting a cash flow financial plan built that says, you know, hey, I'm going to retire in X number of years. What do I need to do to position myself so that my income that's coming in from either savings and investments or Social Security or pension or maybe even working part-time after retirement to sustain my standard of living. That's the way we have to build this out. I'm going to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and it's going to take you right down that road to building out that cash flow retirement picture for yourself, okay? Okay. 
Let me put you on hold, Sharon. I appreciate the phone call. Bob will get your information. We'll send you out our financial planning retirement kit and have someone give you a follow-up call. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome LaVon on from California. Good morning, LaVon. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm well. Good morning. It's early out there. Yes, ma'am. How can I help you today? Well, I have a question, actually, of your opinion of something. I heard yesterday that as far as the American dollar goes, which I I really don't understand a lot of, I assume that a dollar was a dollar and that it was American. But what I heard yesterday was that the Russians have pulled out from the American dollar and are putting their, uh, I guess, their investments in the Chinese yen or whatever it's called, Chinese money. Do you have any thoughts? Or can you tell me anything more about that? Sure, LeVon. So, so the dollar and the yuan and the euro and, and all these, they trade. They're, tr- they're currencies that trade in the open market. And it's just like if you decided to buy stock A for a while and then sell it and buy stock B. So they, they may view that the dollar is not of good value to them right now, and they want to start investing in another currency. That's all. So, so they're, just, they're just trying to make money themselves by buying a currency that they feel is going to be a pr- more appreciative. Uh, you know, and, and when you take a look at all of the stimulus that we're putting out in the system, you know, the more money we print and the more money you put out, the lower the value of your currency becomes. When you start to restrict the amount of currency you have, in other words, raising interest rates or slow down your, your bond buying program tapering, then your currency would become more valuable. So it just ebbs and flows up and down. So I wouldn't look too much into it at this point, okay? A dollar is still a dollar. That's correct. You can, you can, I can take my dollar up to the gas station and buy some bubble gum with it today, and it won't be any problem. Okay. Well, maybe you can buy one piece of bubble gum, but yeah. No, I can get ten pieces. You can get this. ten pieces for a buck. Okay. <laughs> yep. Okay, Levon. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. All right, Levon. I appreciate your phone call. You have a great weekend. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Freddie on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Freddie. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. I'm calling with a question about the required minimum distribution. How can you get by without being penalized uh, to uh, lower your penalty? Required minimum distribution? By taking the required minimum distribution. So here's the rule. When you're 72 or older now, you have to take a certain amount of money out of your retirement plans, not Roth, but pre-tax retirement plans, IRAs, 401Ks, government TSP, whatever the case may be, okay? Money that's never been taxed before. The government says, hey, you're 72 or older. Here's the schedule. You've got to pull the money out. If If you do not pull the money out, in a calendar in that calendar year, then you will be hit with a fifty percent tax penalty plus taxes that you should have paid on the money. 
So let's suppose that your required minimum distribution says you've got to pull out, you know, $15,000. And you and for whatever reason you do not, then you're going to have a $7,500 penalty plus taxes on that $15,000. Very, very expensive. So, so uh, make sure that you, you, you pull the money out each and every year. We keep track of this for our clients. Uh, it is up to the client's ultimate responsibility to, to make sure that it's pulled out, but we try and help them and, and keep track of it for them. Your institution uh, that you work with could also be helping you uh, uh, assist that as well. But does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Yep, so make sure that that, that, that happens. You know, and, and, and here's another thing, too, Freddie. You know, let's suppose that you have three different IRAs. Okay, you don't have to take the money out of all three of them. You could take the RMD out of one of them because all three different IRAs, even at different institutions, have all registered your money and said, hey, we've got Freddie's IRA here. The IRS knows this, right? And so, so you just have to take enough money out of one or two or three of them to meet the demand, to meet, meet the schedule that, that you're under for that particular age. Uh, aggregately. So you could take it out of one, you could take it out of a couple of them, you know, or a little bit out of all three of them to, to, to satisfy that. If you want, I'll put you on hold. I've got some, I've got a, a, a kit, a whole packet of information on required minimum distributions, the strategies behind them, and, and how to make sure that you, you don't get hit with these penalties, okay? Uh, I'm not sure if he's still there. I'll put you on hold. Bob, get his information and we'll send him out uh, the, the our RMD kit for himself there. So, you know, required minimum distributions, and, and a lot of that's up for debate now. They're talking about lowering the tax penalty from 50% down, I think it was 25%. Uh, so we'll see what happens, you know, if, if, if they make this change. Either way, it's a, it's a huge tax penalty, you know, um, and, and it is a way that, that not only does the government, I, I've always thought that if they extend the age out further, um, both the investor and the government will win because now you're letting your money grow tax deferred for even more years to get a bigger pile of dollars, but then the government's going to get a, a, a percentage on a bigger pile of money as well. So I think it's a win-win the further you take it out. You know, who knows where it's going to end up being one day. But, but little rules like this will come and go, and they will change from time to time over the course of, you know, the next few dozen, you know, few dozen years of our, of our investing lives. So mm -hmm. anyway, Chris, speaking of retirement plans, this is a perfect uh, segue into this. I've prepared something for you today. For me? Okay. Yes, uh, exactly. That's have. exactly right. I prepared something for you today, and we're going to put Chris on the spot oh, here. Man. How well do you understand retirement plan rules? Uh-oh. I've got a little quiz here in some of the areas that deal with 401Ks and IRAs and things like that. You do realize I do not have CFP after the, the, the initials in my That's name. Okay. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Right. So so here's the question for you. Can you, you can take an unlimited number of retirement plan rollovers per year. True, false. Or it depends. Oh, that's weird. I think it depends. Very good. So why? Why does it depend? Well, because yes. you know you might have. What would you have? Multiple jobs in a year, and then you would do different. That's a that's just kind of a strange question. Well, a, a a rollover can be deemed where you take the money out for sixty days and put it back in. You can do that once every twelve months oh, from I an see. IRA without paying tax on that money. 
But you can move it from institution to institution to institution to institution without touching the money an unlimited number of times throughout. Oh, I see. Okay, that's Yeah, very technical here. A lot of people make that mistake by doing that 60-day rollover twice. I don't care. I got that one right. 12-month period of time. (laughs) I got that one right. You got that one right. That's exactly right. One. Okay. All right, here we go. If you roll money from a Roth 401k to a Roth IRA, mm-hmm. can you take the tax distribution from the Roth IRA immediately as long as you have reached age 59 and a half or older? The answers are true, false, or it depends. It depends. It depends again is what you're saying? I'm saying, don't you have to have a five year? Are you sure? Doesn't it have to be there five years before you can do anything with it after you put it into a Roth? But what happens if the IRA has been there for five years? Well, that's why I said it depends. You're right again. It depends. Very good. That's very Dude. good. I know. Bob's Dude. laughing, going, all right, give me a question, Bob. Give me a question, right? <laughs> there you go. No, no. Hey, but no, seriously, though, this is, this is, this is a, a, a big issue. If you're looking, if you have money in a 401K Roth, and you separate service for whatever reason, and then you're looking to roll that money over to a Roth IRA that you have. If that Roth IRA has not been around for five years, and you roll that money, even if you're over 59 and a half, and you roll that money into the, the new Roth IRA and then decide to go ahead and pull that money out, since it's now quote-unquote Roth, you're going to get hit with that penalty. That Roth IRA needs to be seasoned. In other words, if it's been there for five years, and then you roll the money over, you can take it out if you're over 59 and a half. It's a really quirky rule on all of this. There's so many little tiny rules when it comes to IRA management, both Roth IRA, pre-tax IRA, non-deductible deferred IRAs. Is that a 20% uh, so penalty on that when you do that? If you do it before uh, 10. it's been seated? 10%. It's 10, 10% penalty, okay. which is still 10% less money you have oh, yeah. in your pocket, oh, yeah. right? Now, if you put money into a Roth IRA, just put that money into a Roth IRA, and it hasn't been seated for five years, and you decide, well, eh, I need to take that money out, are you still going to get hit with that penalty, or you just need to pay taxes on it? Depends on how that money goes into the Roth IRA. There's what's called ordering rules. Are you making a contribution, or are you making a conversion? Uh, This would probably be a contribution, I would imagine. On a contribution, under 59 and a half, you can always pull your principal out tax-free. A lot of people don't know about that. It's the earnings that has to sit there and get seasoned. Got it. That's correct. A lot of people don't don't understand that and don't don't really realize that. Um, but that, you know that's that's the deal on as far as that goes. There's so many different rules on it all. I mean I've, I I mean just pages and pages. I take I take classes on all the different rules uh, with it all. Two for boring, two baby. Two for two. Class. two. All right, we'll two. see if we can throw you a curveball here, Chris. We'll see if we can throw you a curveball. If you retire or otherwise leave your employer. Mhm. After age 55, you can take a penalty-free distribution from your 401k plan. You can't do that if you roll your 401k assets into an IRA. True, false, or it depends. Hmm. One more time. One more time. Give me that question one There's more time. There's no one more time. Right, come okay. on. Give me another if question. If you leave your employer and you're <laughs> over 55, you're 55 or over. Right. You can take money out of your 401k at your employer, uh-huh. okay, without a, without a penalty, and you also 
cannot do it if you roll the IRA over to an IRA, if you roll the 401k over to an IRA. I want to go with false because I think you have to be 59 and a half, don't you? Oh, no. Oh, bummer, go. man. The answer is true. Oh. True, true, true. You don't don't you look at me like that, Bob. Age 55. <laughs> yep, there's an age 55 rule. Oh, if you're 55 or over, then you can leave it there, right? Mm. Uh, there's a lot of pros and cons to that, but that is one of the one of the tax rules on it all. Exactly. Hey, I thought I'd give you a little quiz this morning, Chris. Yeah. I woke up today, said, hey, I'm going to give Chris a quiz. So <laughs> there we go. There you go. You got two out of three. That's not that bad, right? There's okay? a song called that, isn't it? <laughs> Two out of three is not bad. There yeah, it's uh, by Meatloaf. Yeah, anyway, song. we're digressing here, we so are. let's we get are. back to 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 money management and, and things like that. So, hey, I see we got to take a quick break break here at the bottom of the hour. Let's keep the phone lines open. It's open mic Saturday. Give us a call if you have estate planning questions, tax questions, mortgage questions, housing questions, investment questions, four hundred one k retirement plan questions, questions on annuities, stocks, bonds, whatever it may be. Give us a ring eight five five rose. One two three eight five five seven six seven three one two three. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more making money sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven. Three one two three. More making money sense in a moment. Another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Appreciate you listening and watching on LarryRosenthal.tv and uh, Salem XM's uh, Sirius XM 131 as well as WAVA. We appreciate you being here. And if you'd like to dial in, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, Larry. Chris, we also opened up the email bag. We used to do this yeah, email yeah. bag. And, and you know, let's, I, I thought we'd bring it back, so, so we did. And, and the way this works is, you know, if you have questions, you can just go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and email us during the week, and we'll be happy to put your questions up on the air here. So we've got a couple of questions from the old email bag that came in. So You've got mail. Okay. You've got mail. That's right. So I've, one of them is I've heard you from time to time over the years say how important it is to have different investment products in your investment portfolio. 
is it okay to have a mutual fund in large stocks along with large mature individual stocks? In other words, they're saying, hey, I've got mutual funds that are in the category of large cap stocks. And in addition to that, they want to have additional large cap individual stocks. So there's a good, here's the answer. There's a good chance that you'll get a little bit of overlap. Your large cap mutual fund will probably own some of the large cap stocks that you're probably looking to buy as well. So, so it, it narrows the scope of your diversification a little bit, but I'm okay with it if you wanted to add what we would call a little bit of alpha or a little bit of a muscle play. In other words, if you say, you know what, I want to be, for whatever reason, in this large cap space, and you look into your mutual funds and you see some stocks that are doing very, very well there, well, you know, if you say, hey, I'm going to go buy some of these individual stocks that are inside the mutual fund that are doing well, that could, and if they continue to do well, that could add a little bit extra rate of return for you. Now, this goes to the, the, the crux of the question that you've heard me talk about a long time for now, which is product diversification. You know, how many, you know, every type of a product, mutual funds, annuities, uh, uh, ETFs, stocks, whatever it may be, options, UITs, whatever is inside your investment vehicle, there are pros and cons associated with each and every one of the investments. So a mutual fund has pros and cons to it. One of the advantages is instant diversification across hundreds and hundreds of stocks, which is wonderful. You get professional management. You get a whole bunch of different things. One of the cons to a mutual fund is what we would call performance drag. You know, if, if your mutual fund has, you know, 500 stocks in it, let's say it's like the S&P 500, 500 different stocks in it, what percentage of all of those mutual funds are actually driving the rate of return of all of those stocks? It may only be 20, 30, 40 percent. The rest of the stocks may be out of favor or lagging, holding down the overall rate of return of that individual mutual fund. Hence, now, what you're looking at doing is saying, hey, you know what, in addition to having this mutual fund, I want to go get a handful of the stocks that are driving the performance of that mutual fund. And that is one way that you can sort of take a look at adding what they call alpha or adding a little bit more performance into your portfolio. So, so great question, fantastic question. What you need to do, though, and, and, and for those of you that are following this conversation right now here on the air, or on LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube, you know, think about this. What's inside your investments? What do you own? You know, I, I see a lot of times people will have just only mutual funds or only ETFs or only stocks. And, again, there's pros and cons to all of these. You know, a well-balanced, product-diverse portfolio is going to have – some funds, some ETFs, some individual stocks, and rotate those back and forth from time to time within your portfolio there. Hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123 with any of your questions at all. Another question that we got this past week here in the email bag, Chris, and again, if you want to participate in the email bag, simply go to our website, LarryRosenthal.com, shoot us off an email and say, hey, I want to get this question answered on the air next Saturday. So we've got a few questions we pulled out 
uh, here from the email bag this week. You can also put it in the chat box, by the way, on, on YouTube, uh, LarryRosenthal.tv, if you want. That's true. You could do that right now, Chris, yeah. if you just keep that chat box open. If you go to LarryRosenthal.tv, check us out on YouTube, live streaming the show. Chris will go ahead and, and uh, read your questions on air mm -hmm. uh, through the chat box on YouTube. So uh, that's that's a good 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 point there, Chris. You know, with the markets at an all-time high, is now a good time to take your required minimum distribution. So think about that. Is it now a good time to take the required minimum distribution? Well, every year that you're over 72 or over, you have to take your required minimum distribution. And and I get this question a lot, and it's funny that it came in in the email bag here, um, be, because people are saying, well, if, if, if the markets are up, then – you know, I'm, I'm taking more profit out for my RMD, my required minimum distribution. That is correct. But what happens if the markets end up going back down? You know, right now the markets on June 5th are at a certain level, right? And what happens if you say, I'm going to wait for them. I think the markets are going to keep going up higher, 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 and higher, and I'm going to wait until the end of the year and take the money out. But what happens if it goes down lower, Right. Because your required minimum distribution is not based off of this year's market. It's based off of December 34th account balance of uh, December 31st. What did I say? 34th? December 31st account balance. I was looking balance. for that date on the calendar. Yeah, December it. 31st account balance of the prior year. That's what the RMD is based off of, not today's values, Okay. So in order for your RMD to get lowered, then on December 31st of 2021, you need to have a lower value than it was December 31st of 2020 in order for your RMD to be lower in 2022. Boy, I threw a lot of numbers out there, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> All right. But that's, that's the scenario right there. You know, the RMD is, is pe some people, here's the bottom line with required minimum distribution. Some people need to use that money to live off of and it's there, and other people take their required distributions, and they turn it back around. They pay the tax. They turn back around, and, and they, they reinvest it, or they put it into wealth replacement programs for their family, or they donate it to charities. You know, So if you don't need the RMD, what are you going to do? What are you gonna, how are you going to utilize the tax-laden, the, the tax-infested account if you don't need to live off of it? How are you going to take that money? Can you move it from a taxable distribution scenario to your heirs to a tax-free distribution scenario to your heirs? The answer is yes, you can. Can you take this money and can you make a deduction to a charity? Yes, you can within certain limits. So there's a lot of tax planning involved with your required minimum distributions that will enable you and your family, and in some cases charities if you include them, to really benefit. And, 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 and do very, very well, you know, and especially today, there's a good chance with, with Roth conversions, with required minimum distributions all on the table now, with income taxes being lower today than they probably were in the preceding years when you put the money in, so you could win on the tax arbitrage as well, too, uh, you know, because you may have put the money into the retirement plan in a 33% tax bracket, and maybe today you're pulling it out in a 22% tax bracket. That's a 10% win on all of that money for you. So it's very important to really take a good look at it all as far as what your plan is with your RMDs.
Uh, lots of little tax, tax little uh, what I call lily pads you have to jump over on the pond <laughs> there in, yeah. in order to minimize, but it can be done, and, and uh, it's a lot of fun when you really uh, get, a, you know, get a good pencil out and a good calculator and start taking a good look at how to minimize tax exposures on RMDs and legacy planning to your heirs. Uh, as far as all that goes. So, hey, also another question in the email bag here is uh, I, I want to leave money to my sister. Is that what it says? Yeah, I want to leave money to my sister. Will it be taxed to her? And the answer is just like what Chris gave us with his quiz today. It, it depends. depends. It depends, right? What does it I depend can, on? It I depends on the origin of the money. If this is IRA money that you're leaving to a non-spousal beneficiary, then that money is going to be taxed eventually. If it's non-IRA type money, then in this case, your sibling could get that money completely tax-free. So there's two different rules working working simultaneously here together. Let's take the non-IRA money first. Let's suppose you put in $250,000 over the course of years into an investment account, and when you and you name your sister as beneficiary on the account, not co-owner but beneficiary, and the account's worth you know $400,000 and you pass away, your sister today will receive what's called a stepped-up basis. She'll receive that $400,000, and she can sell that money and not have to pay taxes on your, your $150,000 gain. So it depends on the origin of the money and how it's titled. If you simply add your sister to the account and then pass away and give it to her, then she's got to, uh, she will assume your $250,000 cost basis and have to pay taxes on that $150,000 worth of growth. So titling the account is very important. There's 11 different ways to title accounts, and it's very important that you understand how to do all this from a tax perspective. Let's welcome Michelle on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Michelle. How are you today? Good morning, sir. How are you doing today? I'm well. How can I help you? Yes, um... I have a question pertaining to, like, when you pay your tithes and everything. And I was told one time when I was doing my taxes that if you put in $8,000 worth of tithe money, that you would get all your tithes back. And then I want to know if you have anything pertaining to involving giving to church donations and tithes or whatever. Do you get any of that money back? Well, from from a tax perspective, when you make a donation, you get a deduction based off of your tax bracket. So let's assume, just to do math easy, that you're in a a, a 22% tax bracket. And if you put in $10,000, you're going to save $2,200. Okay? That, that's, that's how that works. Now... As far as getting that back goes, it depends on what else is on your tax return where you may have to square up with the IRS at the end of the year, okay? But it, it also, if you have a um, – uh, it depends on if you itemize your gifts or not because you have a, a $12,000 standard deduction now for singles, 20, 20, uh, 24000 for married filing jointly. So if you're giving over and above that amount, then that will help on your tax return. But if you're not, then it's not going to help on your tax return because you're already getting it to begin with. 
But as far as as how um, uh, you can give to churches, there's all there's the easiest ways to write a check to to the church, you know. And if you wanted to go to their general fund, just say so. If you wanted to go to a missions, uh, just say so. If you wanted to go to a special outreach program or a building fund or whatever the church is is looking to raise funds for, just indicate that on the check or, or talk to the pastor um, at at the church uh, to to be able to do that. So does that kind of answer your question? Um, yes, but I'm still trying to say when you when you um, file for your taxes, do you get any of it back? You get the deduction. You you get the deduction. You get a credit. You get a a a a uh, um, you get a, a an asset basically on your tax return. So if if your if your income let's say is fifty thousand dollars and you put you put $5,000 of deductions, then you're not having to pay taxes on that $5,000, providing you itemize your, your deductions. And then by doing that, if you're in a 22% tax bracket, then you'll save the 22% on that $5,000. That's how it works on your tax return. As far as getting it back, if, if as a result of netting all of that out, if you end up if the end if the IRS ends up owing you money back because you've got more deductions uh, on your tax return, then you'll get a refund back. But you're not going to get back the five thousand dollars unless there's other items on your tax return that would warrant that type of an event. Okay, I'll tell you what I can do, Michelle. I, I can I can send you over to a CPA uh, CPAs that we work with, and they can really drill down on your individual tax return and take a good look at it for you if you'd like. Oh, that would be great. Yes. Okay, well, let me put and you on hold here, and we'll get uh, Bob to get your information, and we'll uh, have, have uh, one of the CPAs reach out to you and give you a contact. Appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a quick call here. We're going to take one more break for the show here. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. It's Open Mic Saturday. Give us a ring with any questions at all. 855-ROSE-123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives.
nationwide and coast-to-coast from sea to shining sea. Call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Appreciate you listening. Again, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Larry. Chris, let's break down theme investing. Let's take a look at long-range investing real quick, okay? We hear all the time, oh, yeah, I'm long-range. I'm, I'm thinking long on all of this stuff. Well, that's true. You should be doing that, okay? And, and how do you find long-range investing out there? How do you, what do you look for? What's the strategy behind it all? Well, you know, what drives the economy to begin with? Spending. Spending, right? Consumer spending represents two-thirds of our economy. So if we can figure out where consumers are going to spend their money, doesn't it make sense to invest there ahead of time, right? So now we have to take a look at demographics. What are the demographics looking like in our country today? What are they going to be looking like 10 years from now in our country, 25 years from now in our country? Where is the money going to be spent? What about government spending also? What about innovation and technologies, healthcare, cars, technology, whatever it may be, okay? So, so when we take a look here in, in, in 2017, 15% of the population was 65 years old, okay? 15% of the population was at least 65 years old. By the year 2030, 20% of the U.S. population will be at least 65 years old. So over that 13-year period from 2017 to 2030, the number of Americans aged 65 or older is projected to increase by 44%. This is the baby boomers having birthdays. That's what they do. They have birthdays, right? It's going to increase by 44% while the overall U.S. population is projected to just increase by 11%. I'm investing in Geritol, if that's the case, because we're going to be That's my point. So where is most of the money, in younger people or in older people? The old guys. Older people. Mm -hmm. And where are they spending their money? What are their needs? You know, people that are over 65, 75 years old, they're not buying skateboards, okay? (laughs) They're just not doing it. If they are, they aren't very smart. (laughs) Right. So my my point is, where are they spending their money? How are they spending their money? What do they like to do in recreation? What are their specific needs, consumer staples, all of that type of stuff? Very important to understand when you're taking a look at longer-range demographic shifts. Maybe the travel industry, huh? People like to travel. if they Could be travel industry. Mm -hmm. That's correct. That's exactly correct, Chris. Could be entertainment, um, food, all different types of services and products. Take a look at demographics when you're taking a look at your investing. So, hey, let's welcome Tommy on the line from Phoenix, Arizona. Good morning, Tommy. How are you today? Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm well. How can I help you? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to know uh, I came out of retirement, went back to work, um, and I've maxed out uh, most of my options like IRAs and Roth contributions. so what now do I do to limit my uh, tax liability? Well, it's, there's two types of ways you can approach limiting your tax liabilities, Tommy. There's the this year, and then there's the later in years in life. So if you've maxed out your pre-tax 401K plan, you can't put any more money away, okay? 
Now, you may right. be eligible right. for a Roth IRA where you can put money into the Roth IRA and have it grow tax-deferred and come out tax-free later in life. So if your income yeah. limits allow you to put money into the Roth IRA, that's another way that you can do it. Uh, secondly, if your income limits are too high, if your income is too high and you're not allowed to make a contribution to the Roth IRA, then you can do what's called backdooring the Roth, meaning you can make a, a contribution to a traditional IRA and then not deduct it on your taxes and then convert it to the Roth. That's how higher income earners who are shut out make a contribution to their Roth IRAs, okay? Uh, okay, that sounds good. Yep, so that's that's one way. Then the other way is taking a look at tax deferral growth. And, you know, there's only a couple of spots that you can put money into a tax-deferred uh, vehicle, and, and one of them would be an annuity. There's three types of annuities out there, and one of the advantages that an annuity brings to the table is a scenario such as what you're talking about right now, which is it gives you tax-deferred growth. So the money would go in. There's no deduction for the money going in. But as the money's continuing to grow each year, it's completely tax-deferred. You can move the money around inside the annuity as many times as you like. There's no taxes on any of those buys and sells and transactions. However, when you go to pull the money out of an annuity, you have to pay taxes on it. Okay, You have to pay taxes on the gain inside the annuity, and it's taxed at an ordinary income tax rate, which is usually higher than capital gains rates. However... With the current administration, they're talking about changing capital gains rates, and depending on how they do that, it could make a, a, an annuity even more attractive from a tax perspective standpoint. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but there's a handful of ways that you can take a look at, at getting more tax-advantaged growth, not only today, but tax-free income for yourself and your family down the road in retirement years when you when you make that second career decision to retire. Um, so if you want, Tommy, Fantastic. I'll be happy. Yep, I'll be happy to put you on hold, and uh, Bob will get some of your contact information, and we'll send you out some information on the annuity tax deferral, on back Roth, and just on general tax defer tax diversification strategies. You know, I, I had lunch this past week with another financial advisor in my area. And he was asking me questions, and I, ex I explained to him, I said, you know, are you aware of the four different lenses that the IRS looks at our money? And he just kind of looked at me, and I said, yeah, so, so this is a perfect segue into this, you know, Tommy. There's, the IRS views your money and my money through four different tax lenses. And if we understand the rules on all four of those, then we're going to know how to manage our way through life and retirement and passing assets on to heirs in the most tax-efficient manner. That's what I'm going to send you out is the four different tax ways, okay? Um, Fantastic. You have a wonderful show, by the way. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Let me put you on hold, Tommy, and Bob will get your information, and we'll have someone give you a follow-up uh, sometime next week. Appreciate the phone call. Stay safe. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Coming right down here to the end of the program here, Larry. Just about ready to start some music up here. So We are. That's that's fine, Chris. Yeah. I see that. But, uh, you know, before we – well, I guess we – didn't want you to get all wound up in another I subject. I had one more thing I, I to say. Yep, to I had one more thing to say. Romans 15.4, you know, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. 
you know, and, and just spend some quiet time this week, you know, with the Lord, trying to enrich the relationship there. He's there. Keep reading the Bible. Anyway, uh, we didn't get into too much scripture today. I apologize for that. We just kept rolling with the show. So you can catch us next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. For Bob in the back, Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. And by the way, happy birthday, Carol. Happy birthday, Carol. That? My mother-in-law's birthday today. We'll be out to pick you up soon. Happy birthday. Love you. We'll catch you all next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense.